0: What's happening, y'all? This is episode one of the Comrades Classroom podcast, put on by the People's Coalition and our beautiful friends at the North Orange County Mutual Aid Coalition. We are using this platform to provide more folks access to our discussion outside of the weekly meetings. The purpose of this podcast will be to introduce, summarize, and recap key highlights from our brilliant comrades that lead the discussions each week. On this episode, we recap our Comrades Classroom discussion, led by our friends at the Palestinian Youth Movement. I feel
1: my body will perish, my love will last for
0: What's happening, y'all? Uh, I'm Daniel. I'm Gabe. And we're going to be your hosts for the uh, the Comrades Classroom podcast. But, um, I mean, really, like, throughout this whole thing, really, we're just going to be projecting the voices uh, of the homies that pull up to the podcast each week um, and trying to provide y'all a, a, a quality recap of, uh, of our discussions um, and really get this... Um, this political education work that we've been trying to do, expanding outside of just you know a couple couple little projects, but really um, try to provide as many people access as we can. Um, right? I mean, because we know that um, like reading isn't always accessible for everybody. It's not always everyone's first choice. Um, but when we talk about the liberation of our people, when we talk about the liberation of colonized people, um, politi- political education has has um, to be in the conversation. It Has to work. Um, Side by side with the direct action in the community, um, so that's really what we're trying to do here. Um, is not only uh, collaborate with our folks at the um, the North Orange County Mutual Aid Coalition, but also um, come back
2: around um, and offer this political education to our community. Uh, all right, so we uh, we're gonna start uh, by going over some of the resources uh, provided to us by the Palestinian Youth Movement uh, for the part the political education meeting that the, they led for for our folks in our community. Yeah, they I mean they they put out this super dope. Um, like Palestine 101,
0: um, document on Canva, but we also have it posted to our, um, Comrades Classroom, uh, website that you can find in our, on, in our Instagram bio, um, at the People's Coalition underscore,
2: so you can find that there. Um, and also the, uh, the URL for that is, uh, www.tinyurl.com slash Comrades Classroom. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah.
0: yeah, so, uh, let's jump into it. Um, so Palestine 101, um... They, they describe it as a brief introduction to the history of the occupation of Palestine. Um, and in our spaces, um, we try to precede all political education work with um, defining terms, um, just so that we come into a space not assuming um, that everyone um, is at the same knowledge base. Um, but we can all get to that space. Um, but it's important to like, break down our, our, the vocab that we're going to use um, mm-hmm. so we can all put language right to, to what we're uh, experiencing out in the world. Uh, so like, what, what is settler colonialism, Right. Uh, So they define this as uh, colonialism specifically is a system of economic, political, and cultural domination by an outside entity over an indigenous population. Mm -hmm. Uh, But they they situate this against settler colonialism, right, which has been perpetrated by uh, European-led empires, i.e. the U.S., i.e. Canada, uh, i.e. Australia, uh, i.e. Israel and the Zionist movement, right? South Africa, Michigan. yeah. We can go forever, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so settler colonialism is a distinct type of colonialism, where the primary goal is to exterminate and or replace the indigenous people to make room for the creation of the colonizers of our own society. Mm-hmm. Um, and what we talk about a lot with settler colonialism, right, is is the mechanisms that are used to maintain it. Um, and so, right, so it's making room for the creation of uh, the colonizer society. Um, but that requires a number of mechanisms of power and control, um,
2: right? That are used to as violence against our people and our folks. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, principally, right within that is the constant drive towards assimilation, right? So it, this is truly the annihilation of whatever indigeneity exists within a space, and the creation and perpetuation of this settler colonial state.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. And I mean, when we when we talk about Palestine, uh, a lot of Western narratives are going to frame the issue as a Mm -hmm. centuries-old religious conflict. But Mm -hmm. but we know that's not true, right? It's imperative that we understand the true nature of the Palestine through the lens of settler colonialism. It's a relationship of occupier and occupied, oppressor and oppressed, usurper and usurped. Um, This is not a conflict, right? This is an occupation. Um, Yes. And real quick, we're going to play a clip from Ghassan Kanafani, who was uh, a leader within the People for the Liberation of Palestine, Um, and it's an interview uh, that they did with um, a settler media source. So here that is.
3: The Beirut leader of the Popular Front is Ghassan Kanafani. He was born in Palestine but fled in 1948, as he puts it, from Zionist terror. Since then he's been plotting the destruction of both the Zionists and the reactionary Arabs. I know what I know really that uh, the history of the world is always the history of weak people fighting strong people. Of weak people who has a correct case fighting strong people who use their strength to exploit the weak. Turn to the fighting that's been going on in Jordan in the recent weeks. It's your organization that's been one side of the fight. What has it achieved? One thing that we have a case to fight for, that's very much. This people, the Palestinian people, prefer to die standing than to lose its case. We achieved, we achieved proving that the king is wrong. We achieved proving that this nation is going to continue fighting till victory. We achieved that our people never be defeated. We achieved teaching every single person in this world that we are a small, brave nation who are going to fight to the last drop of blood to put justice for ourselves after the world failed in giving it to us. This is what we achieved. It does seem that the war, the civil war, has been quite fruitless. It's not a civil war. It's a people defending themselves against a fascist government, which you are defending because just King Hussein has an Arab passport. It's not a civil war. Well, a conflict... It's not a conflict. It's a liberation movement fighting for justice. Well, whatever it might be best called... It's not whatever, because this is where the problems start. Because this is what makes you answer all your questions, ask you all your questions. This is exactly where the problems start. This is a people who is discriminated, is fighting for his rights. This is a story. If you will say it's a civil war, then your questions will be justified. If you will say it's a conflict, then of course it's a surprise to know what's happening. Why won't your organization engage in peace talks with the Israelis? You don't mean exactly peace talks, you mean capitulation, surrendering. Why not just talk? Talk to whom? Talk to the Israeli leaders. That's kind of conversation between the sword and the neck, you mean? Well, if there were no swords and no guns in the room, you could still talk. No, I haven't been... I had never seen any talk between a colonialist case and a national liberation movement. But despite this, why not talk? Talk about what? Talk about the possibility of not fighting. Not fighting for what? Not fighting at all, no matter what for. People usually fight for something and they stop fighting for something. So you can't tell me even why should we speak about what? stop fighting. or, Or talk about stop fighting, why? Talk to stop fighting to stop the death and the misery, the destruction, the pain. The misery and the destruction and the pain and the death of whom? of Palestinians, of Israelis, of Arabs? Of the Palestinian people who are uprooted, thrown in the camps, living in starvation, killed for 20 years, and uh, forbidden to use even the name Palestinians. They're better that way than dead, though. Maybe to you, but to us, it's not. To us, to liberate our country, to have dignity, to have respect, to have our mere human rights, is something as essential as life itself. You call King Hussein a fascist. Who else amongst the Arab leaders are you totally opposed to? We consider the Arab government two kinds. Something we call reactionaries who are completely connected with imperialists like uh, King Hussein government, like Saudi Arabian government, like Moroccan government, Tunisian government. And then we had some other Arab governments, which we call the military petit bourgeoisie governments. That's like Syria, Iraq, Egypt, Algeria, so on. Just to end with, let me go back to the hijacking of the aircraft. On reflection, do you think that is now a mistake? We didn't make a mistake in hijacking them, the contrast. We did one of the most correct things we ever did.
0: Yeah, so, and I love that interview, right? Yeah. <laughs> he, he's so, cl- the, the, the the interviewer, right, has no capacity to understand um, the colonized perspective, right, on, on how it is an occupation, right, and how um, that,
2: the the, the sort of violence like obsession with the obsession with having conversation the obsession yes, with yes, removing yes. violence the exactly. obsession with like just having peace talks and it being the
0: um the the oppressed job mm. right mm-hmm. to create the uh, uh the space for peace and mm-hmm. to approach the oppressor right the doer of violence the doer of harm um, to create this peace to engage in these peace talks right so the
2: just the yeah. right and, and he drops that <laughs> line right he says like it's kind of the conversation between yeah. the sword and the neck. Right? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. what conversation is there really to be had there? Mm-hmm. I think that's fundamental to all this. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, you know, sort of in order to understand this occupation of Palestine, it's super important to, to ground this in an, a historical understanding of this geographic region. Um, so, the, the Ottoman Empire had ruled Palestine until the Arab revolts of 1916 to 1918. Uh, and following that period, the European powers were able to slide in as settler colonizers always do and take advantage of the instability and the revolts taking place. Um, So like in the context of the start of World War I, there's this moment in which the the settler colonial powers kind of come together, uh, France, Britain, Russia, and Italy to among themselves negotiate and divide up this geographic region to best suit their individual settler colonial interests. Uh, So specifically how this land was all divided up uh, France uh was <laughs> given possession of modern day Syria and Lebanon uh Britain was uh assigned Iraq Kuwait Jordan and most of Palestine uh so within this framework uh you can see sort of the the boundaries of colonization being drawn uh, th- this agreement um is known as the uh Sykes-Picot agreement and uh it's from this that the uh the tensions that we see today yeah right i mean and the the agreement itself we know right was as a secret agreement between
0: colonial powers right mm-hmm. which is the only way i mean we know it, how it goes. yeah we know how it goes and i mean it was on october in 1917 when um the a revolution in russia right began and wherein this agreement was exposed to the public and called the agreement of colonial thieves causing mm-hmm. a big political scandal mm-hmm. right for britain and france <laughs> Following World War I, um, the British mandate of Palestine was formalized uh, by the League of Nations. And Uh, shout
2: out the Bolshevik Revolution, you know, releasing these colonial secrets. For real, for real. For real. Uh, So then in uh, in 1917, there's sort of this inclusion of this new uh, ideological construction for looking at the world. Uh, It's in this moment that you start getting the communication between the British and uh, prominent Zionists, right? And uh, (laughs) Zionism really is grounded in uh, reestablishing, or not reestablishing, establishing establishing for the first time, uh, Israel as the primary state for the Jewish people. Yeah, the homeland. The homeland for the Jewish people. Uh, And so I think, you know, before we move any further, maybe we should talk a little about Zionism.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah. even before that, right? We just talking directly to that aftermath of World War One. Oh, it's point. right. It's right. Yeah. I mean, it's when the Palestine right was mm-hmm. established as a Zionist colony, mm-hmm. um, and uh, Zionist settlers um, began mm-hmm. right to come throughout Palestine and settle throughout Palestine in the nineteen uh, twenties um, through the thirties, right? And and the Arab nations launched an uprising against the British um, mm-hmm. and their support for Zionist colonialism in nineteen thirty six, um, which. As colonizers do right they they instead uh, they <laughs> use right the arm of imperialism, the strength of imperialism um, to violently crush any uprisings against it um, and, and right so that's what we see happen mm-hmm. um, and then we and we see like throughout right this which is reinforced by violence right Zionism as an ideology mm. is created um, and it is the primary ideology behind settler colonialism um, in palestine it's this, it's a political movement to establish the Jewish state. Um, and its origins are
2: associated with German writer um, Theodor Herzl. And I think that's really important to drill in on, right? Is like understanding where it is that Zionism is coming from. Uh, This isn't uh, like an indigenous movement in that region, right? This is truly happening in a settler colonizer nation, being projected onto another area of the world. And I think most crucially here, it's absolutely important to drill on how Zionism is being created, who it's being created in concert with. Right. Yeah. And who, who might that be? Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> the, the Imperial Power of the U.S. Um,
0: no, but I mean, I mean, I think you're you're spot on, and and with that, um, like being able to identify this as a Zionist movement um, is key, and it, it's the it, the exact reason why, um, specifically the Palestinian youth movement in this case, but other uh, leaders from from around um, the globe. They don't legitimize, right, the Israeli state, right? They identify it as a as a colonizing state, mm-hmm. as a Zionist state, mm-hmm. um, because from its from the jump, right, it was it, that's what it was designed to be, right, a state that was implanted um, to create the Jewish homeland, and so the the founder of Zionism, um, it wasn't only Palestine that he had his eye on for the Zionist project, right? He was also looking towards Uganda and Argentina um, to advance this project. It's Which important is super important. That it's a project, right? He had these ideas to implant this project um, and specifically to colonize different regions of and the world. And
2: sort of disconnecting this whole idea that this is the return of the Israelites to Israel. I think that's really important is that even within the Zionist movement, Israel wasn't central, right? It was just the settler colonial project. That was what this was built around. Uganda and Argentina have no proximity (laughs) to Israel, but yet now we can see the language today and how this is sort of the way that Zionism and any critique of Zionism is cloaked in anti-Semitism. It's Mm -hmm. all grounded that. And speaking of anti-Semitism, right? Like this idea that Zionism is built in concert as well with the, the anti-Semites who are trying to remove the Jewish people from Europe. I mean, like, look, we know what this is. This is bad.
0: Period. Yeah. Period. And one thing I like that I think the this Palestinian, Palestine 101 document um, elaborates on and tries to get us to focus on is um, the, the, the distinct relationship to settler colonialism that um, oppressed peoples in Palestine... Oppressed peoples in the Americas have to one another, right? Is yeah. is it's the same violence? It's the mm. same system that is perpetuating it, right? And so, the purpose of the the colonial state in these these two regions specifically, right, is to disperse, dispossess, and erase the indigenous population, mm-hmm. right? And that's the, it's we have to highlight that, and also not only highlight it but to draw the distinctions so that we as a people um, can mobilize in such a way that we're identifying where this violence is occurring and how we can not only um become accomplices with right folks mm-hmm. in palestine trying to liberate themselves mm-hmm. but learn from them learn from their past learn from their mistakes learn from their victories mm-hmm. right and grow from there and so i think that's what something the the palestinian youth women does so beautifully is it, they don't only it's they don't only focus on the liberation of palestine right they, they highlight that this is a unique violence of settler colonialism that is Um, experienced by oppressed people across the globe.
2: Right, it's part of this broader settler colonial project. And any time we start trying to break a historical moment out of that framework, we fall into these same traps of settler colonial A history, right? It is uh, the illogical logic of settler colonialism is constantly justifying, rationalizing, legitimating harm and violence against people who are viewed as other or less because of their indigeneity, because of their connection to that land. Exactly, exactly. Um, And so,
0: to transition just a little bit, we're going to jump into um, what the Palestinian people identify as um, Nakba, which in Arabic translates directly into English as the catastrophe or a disaster. Um, And so this is the catastrophe of 1948. Um, And Gabe, you want to talk a little more about that?
2: Yeah, so... uh... This is the the exodus, the beginning of the diaspora of the Palestinian people. Um, in this moment, there's there's over seven hundred thousand Palestinians who were forced to flee as they were the victims of like this campaign of terror and violence, um, perpetrated by the Zionist state. Uh, there were Zionist militias going into Palestinian communities, terrorizing and murdering the people there, destroying their homes. Uh, Two specific militias were the Irgun and the Lehi, who were responsible for the Dyer Yassin massacres. Uh, these are in nineteen forty-eight as well, uh, and it's it's estimated that, that over six hundred folks were uh, were killed in, in this devastation.
0: Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, I think it's important to highlight that that um, Nakba, right the the year of nineteen forty-eight, the catastrophe um, is is identified as a symbolic year, right, of the expulsion, right of mm-hmm. of their people but we have to highlight that it, it is ongoing right it has continued throughout this day and I'll, maybe folks have seen right this this image um of the palestinian land that is now occupied um and it, it, how it's shrunk from 1917 um, and then we can go to the start of nineteen forty-eight, the start of Nakba, mm-hmm. and then we can go all the way through twenty twenty. You can see how how they how their people have been dispossessed, how um, the land has been colonized, and how the their access right to sovereignty, um, and and freedom is constricted uh, year to year um and it, it's similar right to those maps of the u.s
2: and this is the beginning of the process that that ends up barring so many uh palestinian peoples from returning to palestine yes, yes, right yes. so it's at this moment that you you get not only the sort of geographic mapping of the decline or the the, the oppression or the uh, colonization of, of palestinian land but you also get the that settler aspect in here, and it's yep. always important to, to talk about both of these. It's the removal of these people, and in the sense, that diasporic uh, ex- expulsion of peoples from this area.
0: Yeah, so there's these, right, there's these two key dates. It's mm-hmm. 1948, um, Nakba, the, the catastrophe, and 1967, Naksa, which translates to the day of setback, right? And, and both of these uh, dates highlight uh, people who were expelled and are barred from re-entry, right? And both of these dates signify years where thousands, hundreds of thousands of Palestinians were forced to flee um, and since then have not been allowed to return to their um, the land, right? Their, their land.
2: And, I mean, I think principally also, this is, this is a good moment to speak about how the propaganda of settler colonialism functions, right? Because, uh, like, within Israeli... Uh, historical retellings; these are actually framed as like moments of Arab aggression, right? And so it's it's important to recognize how these these forms of the rationalization of settler colonialism exist uh, in America. They exist in Australia. They exist in uh, in in the Zionist state, right? These are all these different uh, uh, foundational mythologies that are all constructed to justify these movements.
0: Exactly right, and and as always, um, when we talk about this type of violence um, and this type of trauma that has been inflicted on our people, um, we don't ever want to only highlight or center nope. the, the violence right and center center what was done and perpetrated by um, the colonizers. So I think what's incredible about a lot of the sources, the resources we'll talk through um, on this podcast mm-hmm. and specifically this one, provided by the Palestinian Youth Movement, is from the jump right there was resistance yeah, to the it, colonization, right? Yeah. Uh, it's been, right, fuck that since the jump, fuck mm-hmm. the state, and fuck uh, the violence that mm-hmm. they per- perpetrated against our people. Uh, and so I, I think a key date is, is in December of 1987, um, which was a year that strengthened the Palestinian population and their determination to fight the occupying Zionist forces the in U-Tavada. Gaza, right? Yeah. With fuck. these general strikes and boycotts of the administration, mm-hmm. Um And we and we know how the state reacts to insurrection, Um, because within just thirteen months, three hundred thirty-two Palestinians were killed, um, and a high percentage of that were children, right? Were Palestinian youth, Um, and the global diffusion of the images uh, with soldiers beating, uh, terrorizing, killing uh, Palestinian youth. Um, I I mean, as we've always seen, as we've always seen uh, by. perpetrators of state violence that instead of addressing the violence and abolishing it they Mm -hmm. reform it right so the zionist forces just as they learned from the american forces instead of reducing the violence they modify it right they make it slightly more humane right and adopt these more semi-lethal um attacks less lethal yeah yeah. Yeah. you know it's less lethal semi it's still lethal but it's less lethal (laughs) exactly Uh, and i think that's uh when we talk about insurrection movements um and, and uh, reactions against it by the state um, that that's the type of violence we have to discuss
2: yeah and and you know and speaking onto this idea of, of resistance, I think it's always uh, so crucial to tie together how the indigenous peoples all around the world, always whenever confronted with settler colonialism, always responded the same way they always said, "Fuck that yeah, right we- like this has to be acknowledged within this every single time <laughs> this is not something that anybody is ever interested in
0: yeah like in palestine you could talk about it from 1917 and in the u.s right we talk about it since 1492 yeah right from the jump yeah the indigenous people have resisted colonization mm-hmm. settler colonization mm-hmm. specifically um
2: so yeah and so i think uh as, as we keep walking through this history you know we, we were just talking about the the first intifada which is um, and then in, in March of 93, you start seeing another manifestation of the settler colonial state, and this is sort of this sanction aspect to things, where you start shutting things down economically, isolating them, creating uh, creating disaster within that space, mm-hmm. for, starving people, right? Depriving them of income or ability to build community. Exactly. And we know how
0: strategic white supremacy is. We know how
2: strategic Always. settler colonialism is. This is not an accident, right? So...
0: Palestine under occupation has experienced its villages, its homes, its families being intentionally demolished by Zionist occupying forces, right? Continuously destroying homes, raiding homes, stealing items, um, destroying land, destroying access to food sovereignty, right? Like, this is what they do. They dissect the people at their core strategically so that they have no power to fight back, right? Because we know that we can't fight back against the settler state, when we are hungry, when we are starving, when we do mm-hmm. not have shelter, mm-hmm. right? And that's why the work that is done by the, the, the people in those communities to fight back and provide their people resources during the occupation, during the violence, um, is what shows, right, the, uh, the insurrection against state violence that is, that is ongoing, Within these, within these colonized places, right, sorry. and the
2: way in which this narrative is manufactured <clears throat> that says, you know, look at these people, you know, look how poor they are, look, mm, they're starving, this, exactly. that, and the other, even you, you know, you're the one who created the situation, and I'm providing yourself, the state, settler, colonial apparatus, as the only sort of way to rectify this <laughs> with the nonprofits, with nonprofits, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, um, uh, but and, and and then also looking at this as like, yo, this is like fifty-five years. Mm It's like fifty-five years of this project, Mm -hmm. and understanding, you know, how, how, how just absolutely disgusting the Zionist movement is, in in cloaking itself in the Holocaust, in Mm -hmm. cloaking itself, right? Any critique of Zionism is anti-Semitism, right? This is just—I mean, it's so, like, absolutely absurd. Yeah, you know, and strategic, right? Strategic, yeah, strategic. um, Constantly placing yourself as the victim.
0: Yeah, and another one of those strategies, specifically in Palestine, are um, the practice of checkpoints. Mm-hmm. So you want to speak to that a little bit?
2: Yeah. So, I mean, there are over 600 checkpoints throughout the West Bank, which restrict Palestinians' mobility in their own homeland, right? So you can't even move around this space freely without being uh, surveilled by by the police state. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and since 1967, the Zionist entity has implemented a policy of movement restrictions, including mm-hmm. Like not only just these checkpoints, but man-made earth mounds, trenches, roadblocks, walls. Uh, the even just intricate the way systems right yeah, like it's very... system, even just the way that they design travel permits right as these you know incredibly violent and stressful. Uh, interactions that that an oppressed person has to have with the state in order to allow them so in order for the state to allow them free movement within and, their
0: own land. And again, right, they're made to make it impossible for Palestinians, mm-hmm. for the, the the people experiencing this violence, to go to schools, hospitals, work, and their own homes. And what's I think again, like we have to always draw connections back, always. right, to to our movements here, um, because we might not experience things the same way. But when we look inside of um, Black and brown, and black and indigenous neighborhoods
1: mm-hmm.
0: in the United States, right? The conditions are such that it feels impossible to go to schools, hospitals, work, into our own homes. It's not checkpoints, right? But it's it's strategic uh, lateral violence, right? Mm-hmm. That is caused by the state mm-hmm. through a number of different like symptoms and mechanisms of settler colonialism, right? right? Every, Every institution, institution that makes it impossible for black and indigenous people and brown people to to navigate. Um, safely, right? Period. In our own, in our own neighborhoods, in our own homes, right? And so, I think when we talk about the checkpoints in Palestine, um, right, we can we can draw connections back to. And when I and I was listening to, um, it was it was a Zoom teaching um, with liberation fighters in Palestine who who were doing it in a partnership with, um, some folks out of Chicago, um, and one of them was talking about how when they visited Chicago for the first time, walking into a yeah. Corner, walking into a corner drugstore felt like a more occupied territory than spaces that they go to in Palestine, than the checkpoints that they navigate through mm-hmm. in Palestine, right? Pulling up into a drugstore, right, that is usually Arab owned, right, which again, this is an Arab person experiencing it, so it's this, there's this cognitive dissonance, right, in that, and, and he's recognizing it actively. Mm-hmm. And he's walking in, he sees the bulletproof bulletproof glass. He sees the shotgun beside the (laughs) the dude's hand door, right? We see all the cameras, right? And everyone is hyper-surveyed walking in to get some chips in the neighborhood store, right? And so... We have manifestations of these checkpoints in our own spaces, in our own neighborhoods. Yeah, we've right?
2: just we've sort of uh, uh, decentered them as being what they are, right? It's we've just normalized. Like there's a, yeah, it. there's just like a constant assumption of the possibility of violence in every space. Exactly, and I this mean, is the nature of the settler colonial state. You're yeah, and always I mean, at in danger.
0: And that's what Foucault talks about, right? Mm-hmm. Michel Foucault um, talks about how that's the that's when it has become mastered. Like that's when it, they have mastered um, the app the the state apparatus of yes. control yes. is when it's not a visible checkpoint. It's not a visible um, example of your of you being surveyed or you being controlled. It is just always happening. It's the perpetual state. Of- <laughs> Even if it's not yeah. happening, you might think it's happening, yeah. right? And that has when that's when the power structure has succeeded, right? In in, in colonizing and in, in making the um, oppressed peoples feel as if they are always controlled and always surveyed by the state. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And so like the the restrictions of our movement, of our of our physical bodies, Mm -hmm. right, that that limit our material realities, um, it it affects uh our our access to many things. But specifically we've seen um in in Palestine is access to medical care, right? Yeah. And it's a pressure point. It's a pressure point. And ambulances and other emergency medical assistances don't make it past these checkpoints, Mm -hmm. right? Palestinian ambulances are stopped at checkpoints, sometimes for hours, right? And and here's a quote here. Uh, in many cases, patients must leave the Palestinian ambulance, walk across the checkpoint, and get into an Israeli ambulance, uh, a Zionist ambulance, to get to the hospital. Women have given birth at checkpoints, and many people have died because of the delays. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: Right? And, it, and this is the, the Zionist military that's perpetuating this violence, right? right. It's, it's, it's everyday people.
2: And, and like, <laughs> even think about this, right? So like in order to get to that hospital in Zionist-occupied land... You have to apply for travel permits, right? So it's this constant. And are routinely denied. <laughs> the constant reinforcing of the sort of impermissibility of freedom of movement within your own space. Yeah. Constantly having to check with the state apparatus for the okay. Yeah.
0: You know? I mean, and, and just since 2007, right, it's been reported that 360 Palestinian people. Um, died because they could, did not have access to medical care um, mm. as a result of the zionists illegal a legal siege of, mm. of palestinian land
2: mm-hmm. and you know and and always right we try and sort of show the spectrum of all of these different forms of settler colonialism and how it manifests in people's lived lives right so like we, we were just speaking about health care the same thing is true for water right so like uh it, the Zionist state is regarded as a world leader in water management, technology, and efficiency, right? It's, I think, I, I believe it's the 32nd most resilient country in the world to tackle climate change. I'm not really sure what that means, but it means something. Uh, and, and yet, right, this place which is internationally recognized as being so modern, right, deliberately deprives Palestinian people yeah. of those resources.
0: Well, yeah, but it, It's praised for being a free state, for having the access to the most things, right? Mm-hmm. But Because the the people of the Zionist state have access to free healthcare, oh. right? But the Palestinian people don't, right? And yeah. we talk about the the, the Zionist uh, the people walked by the Zionist state have access, like Gabe just said, to vital resources like water, which they're renowned for globally, apparently, right? But don't provide those resources to its population, right? To 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 its people, and and again, like we see those connections, right? right? We know how Americans like to view America as right having well, access to all yeah, of Yeah, let's talk about things. water rights for a right. second
2: in America. I think it's actually a really great point. Yeah. Right? So like, what, what do we understand happens with water in this country? When water gets polluted it gets diverted into certain areas. What are those areas? Predominantly black, brown and indigenous communities. We see this yeah. over and over we see and it over in Flint. again.
0: We've seen it in the Dakotas. We've seen it in, in on the Navajo Reservation. You right, see we, it we, in Orange
2: County. You see it everywhere. It everywhere, everywhere
0: right? Everywhere.
2: And I thought there's a stat that really jumped out to me. So, the World Health Organization has said that people need at least 26 gallons of water a day to maintain a healthy lifestyle. The occupation restricts Palestinians to about 18.5 gallons per day, while settlers use 79 <laughs> gallons per day per person. In Gaza, it is even worse, where because of this siege, right, we were talking about the, the creation of scarcity the manufacturing of scarcity the creation of deprivation within a community right because of that 90% of the water supply in Gaza is contaminated and unfit for human consumption so we're just it's it's genocide yeah. right? It right it's
0: genocidal right it's it's the slow death of our people and we in again we understand that imperialism as a global power perpetuated by the American empire um, mm-hmm. that's what it does is right is it is it's, it's extraction of resources from indigenous populations cause the slow death of indigenous populations, right? Via um, pollution, via environmental disaster, via inmi- environmental injustice, mm-hmm. right? And, and we know that that is what the Imperial Project leads to, right, mm-hmm. the death of indigenous peoples, indigenous societies, and indigenous ways of and life. And the
2: repopulation of that land, exactly. the settlers. And, and like, let's just take a moment here Uh, to drill back into where Zionism is coming from, because I think this is really crucial, is when you look at a genocidal intent of the Zionist state, to see that cloaked, right, always back and back, always back into the the safety required for the Jewish people because of the Holocaust, there's a really disgusting uh, doublespeak going on here that I think we always need to come drill back in on. And I think... Uh, uh, the Jewish people around the world need to recognize themselves, again, as not part of the Zionist state, but part of these oppressed peoples around the world, you know, recognizing Jewish people's solidarity with the Palestinian people. That's, that is a much more accurate representation of, of the Jewish people's history in, in this world, uh, to have positioned um, the Zionist state as uh, the only way to protect Judaism i i don't even really know how to get my head around that
0: keeps me up at night yeah i mean again for for me like a lot of this this history um and this ongoing history and this ongoing slow death um we have to recognize right how it's perpetuated by these carceral systems of violence right Mm -hmm. it's perpetuated by the military it's perpetuated by settler police states right Mm -hmm. and and it's maintained by them, right? And so when we say mm-hmm. that all cops are bastards when we say fuck your mom and your uncle and your cousin who's a cop, <laughs> right, we, we mean it because that around the globe, folks who, who have adopted carceral systems of violence that, that, Ameri- that, um, <laughs> that have come out of settler- the school <laughs> of the Americas, right, settler <laughs> colonials, that have come mm-hmm. out of um, Israeli occupying forces, Zionist occupying forces... Mm-hmm. Right, and so like we we just have to be able to draw these connections, right? right? We have to be able to, and we have to understand that the liberation of our people will never precede the abolition of these violent structures, of these violent militaries, of um, these violent police states, because they're the ones who maintain it, right? When (laughs) what is it? It's um what um. Uh, protect and serve, protecting capitalism, serving these tickets, yeah. right? Like <laughs> they have, they, they don't. We know who they fucking work for, right? And, and it's yeah, it's consistent. It ain't, it ain't us, and it's consistent from the Zionist state to the American state. And it's important, I think, before we jump into um, examples from our comrades' classroom, and we'll play mm-hmm. some clips, mm-hmm. um, some beautiful clips from our from our folks who spoke on these issues mm-hmm. um, in the classroom, We're much but, more
2: depth than but, we
0: could ever go into much more depth. But like <laughs> before we even get there. Um, we have to be able to, to draw those connections, right? And be able to identify um, the ways in which that the Israeli Zionist state has colluded directly with the American imperial empire, mm-hmm. right? And examples of this can be seen in, with the LAPD, right? Or the LA Sheriff's Department where Zionist occupying forces have been shipped Using mutual aid programs, if you ask fucking Gavin Newsom, right, have been shipped from uh, the Israeli state, uh, the Zionist state, to California to observe how gang units terrorize black and brown neighborhoods in in, in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. right, and in LA they 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 just observe the way in which the LAPD terrorizes black and brown people, so they can take those tactics, take those skills, take million millions of dollars of equipment, hundreds of millions of dollars of equipment, bring that back to Palestine and use it to violently erase the Palestinian people from that land.
2: And center, <laughs> right, this iteration of settler colonial capitalism, right? It's exactly. not just it's not just the Zionist state operating by themselves. It's this communication. So you have uh, funding, you have munitions, you have all the weapons coming from the American imperial system into the Zionist system to be experimented, right, with on the Palestinian people and then the IDF, or the, the different mechanisms of the, the Zionist police state, come back to LA, and they train the LAPD in how these different tools can be most effectively used to oppress people. Right, So it's this constant dialogue back and forth. Meanwhile, the way that we are taught history, the way we con- like discuss history, is always talking about these things in isolation, right, in a vacuum, placing them out of all historical context. but
0: but we know in, in america the american empire knows damn well the only way to maintain its imperial power right which imperialism is the final stage of capitalism um is to collude with other imperial projects and to dismantle and destroy and erase other socialist communist projects that work to worked as direct agents Against the imperial power, right? The imperial. Right, and
2: not to say that the socialist state is our salvation, right? Because we not understand at all. that not it's not. But I know that. but that the only thing, the only state mechanism that has any sort of uh, uh, ability for self-defense to put us on this, the path, yeah. of
0: dismantling the mm-hmm. imperial mm-hmm. empire, mm-hmm. right? Is is the socialist state? Is the communist state? Right? And we can break. We'll break that down like throughout this podcast. As, yeah, we always
2: come back to this. We always um, come
0: back to that. But like. That, that that's the thing I think we have to uh, as we finish up kind of just like the history of it um, it's understanding the ways in which the American Imperial Project has worked to completely fund and bankroll the Zionist
2: project. And so, uh, before we before we transition into our much more brilliant comrades, uh, sort of expounding on this. So you have to stop uh, listening to two fucking mask presenting voices. Damn right, you don't want to hear us talk about shit anymore. But we're gonna read a list of demands uh, that that exist within this this Palestine One Hundred One document provided to us by PYMs. So you wanna go ahead, Daniel?
0: Yeah, yeah. So, stop the Zionist occupation and colonization of Palestine. Full support for the Palestinian resistance freedom for the Palestinian prisoners, mm-hmm. the return of Palestinian refugees, mm-hmm. stop the complicit silence of the international community, mm-hmm. and support for BDS, boycott, divestment, and sanctions against Israel. And, and, and now that we've addressed these, I, it's reminding me, we forgot to talk about, right, when we go back to those first two key movements, right, in, in the, um, throughout the Palestinian occupation, that caused refugees, right, to not be able to return back to their land. Mm-hmm. One of the key demands of the anti-Zionist project, or that, sorry, not the project, the um, the anti-Zionist movement, um, has to center the the right of return. Yes. It right, has to center always, the right always. of return, um, and land back and land decolonization, back. right? Like we have to center that, and we haven't got to that. We didn't we didn't hit that yet. But um, a lot of folks in the in the podcast talk about this this idea or this demand of right to return. Um, so I think that also offers a good transition into into the uh, excerpts from the podcast. Oh, okay. sorry, from the classroom. That's right.
2: All power to the people.
0: Shout out. Your touch leaves me at a loss of breath. Conversations, they lasted from one day to the next. That when you're close, my heart I can't contain in my chest. Truly no beauty, uh, and your lovely caress is Medicine for my soul. soul. And all of my Stress. stress. You making me better, you my Asada, you my Afidi, my Angela Davis, my queen, my Nefertiti, my rock when I'm feeling weak, you're what I see when I dream, cause one way together, there's nothing that comes between us, one way together, there's nothing that comes between us, yeah, it's that motherfucking labor of love, yeah, yeah, that labor of
1: love,
4: Hey yeah, well, you Thank you so much for inviting us on here. I'm um, from the PYM, um, which is a grassroots um, community org that brings together Palestinian and Arab youth to organize for the liberation of our homelands and the right of return for all refugees. The complete dismantling of Zionism. Um, we do like a lot of these like political ed sessions, um, work against. Um, Dynasty policies um, against different surveillance programs that um, target our communities, um, as well as um, develop um, mutual aid resources and guides and um, campaigns to free political prisoners. um, Just so you all know, like a little bit of what our work is. Um, And yeah, like if you all want to keep up with us um, on social media, I can drop that.
5: Word. So the, in my mind, the important thing about settler colonialism, um, as like the beginning framework for Palestine and not occupation is that it centers the right of return into our activism, right? Because if we think like, oh, Palestine is occupied, then if you get rid of occupation, then there's like, things are chilling, but no, it's like, it's colonized. And so it centers the right of return, which is something that the past couple of months I've been thinking a lot about more um, with my SJP. And also thinking about um, what Rashid Khalidi says about um, Balfour declaration being tantamount to a declaration of war against Palestinians, which I really like because then you can apply thinking about settler colonial law um, as being declarations of war, and that's also something I've been thinking about a lot.
6: Again, thanks for inviting us again um, to the People's Coalition. I yeah, I want, building off your point, it makes me think about like what it means for us to be demanding right of return and for our land back because. It's just like, especially when we think about how when, like in in the current discourse, like people talk about Palestine as uh, a struggle against apartheid, and they also talked about South Africa that way. But when, um, and this is something when we went to South Africa, we really learned this, that when we're talking about um, apartheid as the problem, it kind of, then the solution to that would be integration, integration within the current state, or like having, equal rights within the state, but it doesn't mean that our, we get our land back or it doesn't mean that we have full sovereignty or that we get that right of return. So it's like, how do we move beyond that thinking too? And like, what does right of return actually look like? And what does that actually mean? Um, and how can we think beyond those like those framings that have kind of limited, you know, apartheid is one aspect of Zionism, but it is not the entirety of Zionism. Um, this is a settler colonial state and just, and you know, that's where kind of like the liberal Zionists will stop. They'll say, oh, well, yeah, we're all for Palestinians having equal rights, but within our state. But if we demanded our right of return, that's where it's it's too far. Um, so that's just kind of what I think about too when, it, when we're demanding the right of return and what it means to like really dismantle Zionism and dismantle settler colonization.
7: Oh, um, so I think it was really interesting how a lot of people are bringing up um, a lot of like connections between U.S. Col- colonialism
6: and um, Israeli col- colonialism, and I was reminding me of how the U.S. I think provides military aid to, to the Israeli military, that kind of helps to like um, further, you know, colonize Palestine. And so I thought it was it was interesting how they kind of have so many similarities, and they also are like helping each other um, to do to do that. So. And kind of feed the off of each other, and creates more oppression.
8: Yeah, I was just gonna comment on like, um, in trying to like, I think, put a comment a little farther up about drawing parallels also um, between the types of like people are willing to like. You know, like, oh, I'll give you, give you the equal rights to citizenship within this existing structure, but if you try to knock the structure down, then fuck you. But then also thinking about how there's so many, like, even in the mutual aid, like, in one of the mutual aid sort of programs or whatever, there was this some like a faculty member that was a huge donor, and they're all for this, like, oh fuck, oh, fuck U.S. prisons, all this shit, and then when they find, sorry. A lot. they're all like you know down for abolishing prisons and and sort of like radical things like that but then when they find out that we're you know aligned with um you know like we're pro palestinian um liberation then then they pulled like pulled out and there's this like like people that are willing to you know be down for this much quote-unquote radical change within the u.s like think that like, I, I feel like somehow it ties into this, like, oh, like they, they pull the card, like ant, being anti-Zionist is being anti-Semitic. Um, and like people that are down for abolition here are not down for Palestinian liberation. I just like, I, I don't know, that's just like extra sick twisted to me.
7: Um, I think it was such like a, an interesting point how we bring up, it up initially about um, the difference when, P- when we speak about apartheid versus you know when we actually demand land back and the right to return, um, and I feel like it's such a parallel between the idea of neoliberalism here in the U.S. with you know settler colonialism here and back there, and that people are tiptoeing around it and not essentially um, fully you know getting to the idea that settler colonialism there is no way to get liberation without essentially receiving all land back for example when people talk about a two-state solution versus a one-state solution in palestine israel and it's like saying that is essentially just ignoring the fact that subtler colonialism is is the issue in palestine um and that's such like a liberal ideology of you know both palestinians and israelis deserve rights and to to live together rather than essentially seeing it as well it was originally palestinian land and that's the only way to get liberation, the right to return completely. And that's something we we see here too, when people ignore the idea of abolition and the idea of um, indigenous people getting the right to govern and getting their land back essentially. Um, So that's like one parallel, parallel I don't know what the word is, the parallel between both, you know, here settler colonialism and um, in Palestine. And also, Wait, I was going to say, yeah, normalization of Zionism using the language of peace are more detrimental than the right wing as that's, that's very true. It's more harmful to bring up the idea of, you know, liberal Zionism and, and people who see it as needing peace, when really the only way that you can um, get liberation is Palestinians completely getting the right to return and land back. But I just, I just thought that was an interesting point.
9: Oh, hey. Um, I just wanted to start off by saying that I'm really grateful for this space. Um, I looked through, like, all the readings we're going to have, and it looks really fucking dope. I'm really hyped. Um, I like the readings that were assigned to us, like, on Monday, because I did get to know, like, more about Palestinian history, which I, I wasn't really aware of. And I already like that I'm learning the proper language, I guess, because language is important. It's important not to call what's happening n- like um, a- occupation, not a conflict, because it's clearly one side, um, Israel being the aggressor and the oppressors towards um, Palestine and the Palestinian people. Um, I'm not sure exactly who was the person who said this um, in this group, but they were talking about people not being or about land back and that whole situation. And it kind of reminded me of something that's in this book that I'm reading called The Pedagogy of the Oppressed. How the world is divided between the oppressors and the oppressed and how the oppressors, for them to be, so to exist, is to have and to conquer and to oppress, like just by them being. So for them to conceive of like land back or abolition or anything like that is like it's like inconceivable for them. And so that has been a really interesting read. Um, but yeah, that was it.
6: Um, yeah, I I wanted to share that, you know, Hassan Kenefani was um, really, really against this idea of peace talks because he's right. You know they've never heard of a talk between a colonialist case and a national liberation movement. Um, there's no talk there, uh, but I, I wanted to share that the detrimental effects, um, I'm sure before I hopped on, you all got into this, of the Oslo Accords or the Peace Accords, um, and really how harmful they were to our movement. Um, so in 1993, um, the, the, there was this peace process called the Oslo Accords between um, the Zionist State and the Palestinian Liberation Organization, which until '93 had centralized the leadership of various Palestinian political groups and drove a lot of our revolutionary program within Palestine and all across the diaspora wherever we'd been scattered. Um, And when these peace accords were signed, obviously against the consent and will of the Palestinians, um, it stipulated that these peace accords stipulated that all Palestinian governance would be controlled and mediated through Israel. And basically, with the PLO heads signing this, they traded our liberation struggle for a state-making process um, with a a Palestinian authority, um, basically collaborationist, not even a government, um, that basically just carries out the interests of the Zionist state. And with this agreement, as soon as the Oslo agreements happen, the PLO becomes defunct no longer representative of Palestinian aspirations for liberation, our demands for liberation become uh, like illegible where it's like, well, here you have a state-making process, why I demand liberation? <clears throat> and it basically became, it turned into the Palestinian authority of this like arm of the Israeli op- occupation. And as a consequence, all of our institutions crumbled. There was no longer a clear revolutionary vision for liberation, no centralized force pushing that, no body moving it forward. Um, the, the popular mass organizing around national liberation collapsed. Um, there was there were so many st- chapters of the General Union of Palestinian Students, for example. After the Oslo Accords, only one remains in San Francisco State, and um, this is the, what Rasen Kenefani was warning against. Um, uh, and and this is where we emerge from, like as the Palestinian youth movement, where that generation after Oslo, that we did not grow up experiencing what it was like to live in a time where we had a a, pop, a body moving forward, a liberation a liberation vision for the Palestinian people, and we grew up in a time of fragmentation among the Palestinian parties. So, with the Palestinian youth movement coming into formation about a decade ago, it was served to be a political home for us as Palestinian youth. Community completely grassroots, 100% movement focused, to to create a space to unify all Palestinians across political uh, backgrounds, to find a place um, for our struggle, and to kind of assume that responsibility and role in our struggle, um, and to find a place where we could learn our political history and um, and practice that like liberation ethic and like revolutionary organizing, um, and a place to have that revolutionary optimism. Um, and it's been a, like everything that we we learn, like we learn in in this in the struggle in the in the PYM. Um, more than any other space that we're in or in spaces like these, these like grassroots spaces where we're like teaching each other and talking to each other about, about revolution and movements. And I also just wanted to name that when we saw like in the sixties, like sixties, seventies, liberation movements also transnationally connecting with each other and how powerful that was and how severe that the crackdown and repression of of the U.S. state was like the prison industrial complex being uh, created or expanded literally in response to the Black Power movement. Um, like it just goes to show how powerful like not only the struggles are, but how like when they're also connected and exchanging tactics, strategies, um, sharing visions. Um, like how how in, in incredibly powerful that is. So yeah, just wanted to offer those thoughts. <laughs>
1: I savor, I savor, I savor. December. It's the labor, the labor, the labor. You know I savor, I savor, I savor. Yeah, yeah come on now, it's double MC, baby. Yeah, uh, yeah, I know what it is. Labor love, y'all. Uh.
4: para que lo pongan todo lo que está ahí de la comida y lo que usaron.